CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Hello, friends. Welcome back on the show today. Jessica Spangler, otherwise known as Ecom Jess, pharmacist by day, clinical pharmacist, a PharmD, works in the ER, first responder, God's work, incredibly talented. But by night, she's been referred to as a finfluencer, a financial influencer, largely on TikTok and YouTube. She's a provider of basic civics to most people that have no idea about credit cards, banking statements, loans, debt money management, but more importantly, because financial fuckery can also be healthcare fuckery, she's got some really great content about how to unfuck yourself, like when your hospital overbills you, you know, charges you like 500 bucks for aspirin, or or how to know when your hospital is like a nonprofit, so you actually have leverage on negotiating what you're going to pay them, life hacks to make healthcare suck less. She's amazing. She's here in studio. You are going to love this conversation, so let's get started. I mean, I remember when it used to go. That's how my show starts, by the way. Does it? It starts with a dial. You don't listen to my show, do you? I, I didn't because I didn't want it to influence anything. Okay. All right. Fair I didn't want any background like, oh, well, some people say this, so I should probably say this. Okay. I didn't want to. You look very comfortable leaning back in the chair, so just push the mic to you. Oh. Oh. I, I don't understand why it has to be so close. This is a, a, an expensive device. You would think it yeah, could capture but you, sound. Yeah, you, you get the... You get the really high it's quality. To have the, okay. <laughs> I don't really have the radio host voice, I don't think. You don't need one. You sound great. Okay. Just be yourself. You have a TikTok voice. Oh. Okay. Wait, can you do the TikTok lady? The who? The TikTok. This is... Oh, Jesse? <laughs> yeah. We found a 24-year-old car that's never been washed before. Right. What I spent in a day at Disney. They... That... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. What's your name? Apparently, Jesse, the TikTok voice. And you're Jessica. I am. And you're not Jesse. That is correct. Sworn testimony? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Apparently her true identity is secret, I've heard. So by the way, when I when I discovered you, yeah. Ecom Jess. That's me. So my first inclination was, who knows what ecom is anymore? Uh, That's like a mid 2000s thing that I <laughs> built like the first online store with Cafe Press and we thought this is ecom electronic commerce. Right. Where did it come from? Did you just sop that up in the 2000s? No. So it's interesting. I thought- I mean, it's brilliant. It is? Yeah. It's funny because I actually think a lot of people are like, you don't really talk about e-commerce. Why is your name Ecom Jess? But that's exactly right. It's It arouses the curiosity. Why is this this? Interesting. It also hits people like me in their 40s and early 50s. <laughs> I remember ecom. What is that? <laughs> well, that's good. Maybe it is intergenerational. I didn't think about that, but what it was supposed to be was e-commerce is making money on the internet. Right. 
let's talk about not selling t-shirts right right it's making money on the internet there is there is in some ways an infinite amount of money to be made on the internet your audience becomes everyone so to call myself ecom jess i just wanted to talk about making money on the internet also did you know actually i'll say it like tiktok did you know (laughs) did you know (laughs) that there are multiple jessica spanglers on the internet oh really yes I mean, I know you're Ecom Jess, and I Googled you, and I got all my dirt on you, of course. Oh. But there's like an actress, there's an author. Interesting. There's, there's an intern at Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew someone else named their kid Jessica? Yeah, or Spangler. What is that? Oh, Spangler's your married name. No, Spangler is is my my name. It's my. Where'd that come from? Uh, my father. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with yes. genealogy works here. Yes. And where's he? Where's your lineage? He is. Down in, in Western Maryland, actually, while well, he was. My, my dad is actually deceased. He died of a heart attack in his early 40s, very mm. early 40s, which is part of what spawned Everything informs my, us. We are right? all born of our condition. Yes. So that kind of spawned my whole interest in healthcare. But he was down in... in I mean, are you Irish, Scottish? Yeah, red hair. Um, Natural redhead. I mean, for the radio. So his mom was an Orion so there was Irish oh, okay. lineage there, but Spangler is German. Mm. And I am terrified that someone in Germany could hear this and butcher me. But I've been told that it is something like related to, to shoemaking. Okay. But I, I this is family Fräulein. Right. Fräulein. <laughs> ich habe eine Kekse. <laughs> I have a, a cookie. <coughs> what did JFK, ich, ich bin ein Berliner, means I'm a jelly donut. Jelly donut. It doesn't really mean you're, I'm right. of Berlin. Of Berlin. Yes. Yes. Yes, I did actually take German in middle school. This is drunk history without the alcohol. <laughs> we could go on and on. <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you here. Thanks I really for am. Me. We just bantered. If we have any listeners left, <laughs> I'm thrilled to welcome Jess Spangler, e commerce Jess. E com, e commerce. I'm just going to, I have to shorten it. I'm just going to use e commerce. Yes. Well, it goes both ways. Concatenate. I'll use a fancy word. Sure. Yeah, con- con- yes. Con- 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 concatenate, <laughs> indeed. I I discovered you by accident by yeah, trolling you... TikTok. Oh, trolling TikTok. I was trolling TikTok for smart people. Now, what does that mean? What do you mean by trolling TikTok? I joined TikTok to follow one of my doctor friends. Okay. Who was on there. To, to comment trolly type of comments? I don't comment. Does trolling mean comment? Yes, absolutely. Or then lurking. I'm a lurker. Okay, that's much more okay, appropriate. Okay, I take it back. Okay. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wouldn't take you for the troll type. I have observe and protect. Is that better? Yeah. Okay, sure. We'll, we'll go with that. Okay. We'll go with that. All right, fine. I joined it because my friend had this fabulous channel. Okay. Which, I, of course, I forget. Distilled Science. It's called Distilled Science. Plug for him, Distilled Science. Okay. He's just hysterical. He's really funny. And on one of my other shows, I, I used to host a rare disease show. Um, we had a couple of TikTok influencers who are like rare disease advocates. Uh-huh. And they have millions of followers and likes and whatever the TikTok stuff does. I'm going to claim TikTok ignorance where you are TikTok excellence. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I was just scrolling through too. and I was like, I saw the one you did about when the hospital is nonprofit. Mm. I'm like, I need to know this person right away. <laughs> and that's that was, I'm hooked. And then of course, we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. We helped you get at that conference we spoke at yes. last year. How did you find being there? The Health Advocate Summit? Yes. It was amazing. It was excellent. I, I mean, to be in a room with so many people who their whole job is to come up with ideas to make the system less shitty and hopefully better 
it, I mean, it was remarkable, honestly. I, I didn't realize that that many people could come together in something so unifying. And, and I mean, Melissa and the, the people who, who created it are, are just amazing in their own right. So Steve Jobs once said, I think he stole this from some version of Henry Ford, if you build something for someone that they want, they don't know about it, but you give someone what they never knew they needed, yes. and they're hooked for life. Yeah. You were talking about this a long time ago from the finance perspective. We're going to get to your, your PharmD story in a second. Sure. But when once you started to get into healthcare, did you see like this massive uptick? Because people, may, may, do they nod their heads as much with finance as they do with, I've been screwed by healthcare too. It's an interesting mix. There's more crossover than I think I realized. And, you know, I, pre-social media, pre-all of this, I had kind of considered my passion for financial literacy and personal finance and access to money information and health advocacy and health literacy and access to that information, two entirely separate entities. Like, that's how I once viewed them. But the more that I, I talk about them and the more that I explore them and meet other people who are doing things similar, the more I realize they are exactly the same. I mean, you can't have one without the other. You can't have money issues without healthcare issues and you can't have healthcare issues without money issues. It's 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 the same language. So I do think it, it widened the audience a little bit because there is so much crossover that I can honestly say I didn't fully understand was there beforehand. Well, they do go hand in hand. You know, two-thirds of all bankruptcies are medical, and two-thirds of those are people not on um, Medicare. Right, right, right. So employer benefits are pretty much a determinant of whether you live or die. Absolutely. And and in the same, in the same hand, a significant chunk of people, almost 25% of people— are not offered an employer-sponsored retirement plan. Yeah. Like it's it, it it just goes hand in hand and hand in hand. And the social determinants of health lead into those financial impacts and then how people ultimately receive or do not receive quality care. It's it's they are all one thing. I feel like you're always gonna find more stuff to vacuum in because you're discovering things as you go along. And and that really is what it is. Like like, had you ever heard of the term social determinant? It's jargon, right? Where'd you hear it from? I had heard that in pharmacy school. Okay, I mean, good. Yeah. And and I'm I'm lucky enough, you know, I went to school in Philadelphia. I feel like we had a pretty progressive learning experience. Um, the city of Philadelphia is is huge. It's diverse. You know, we're exposed to a lot of different things. And I'm lucky to have had that kind of training where that was something that we talked about. But Again, it was still very partitioned in my brain, like social determinants of health in healthcare versus social determinants of, of money and finance. I mean, right. they were two completely different things until my lives, which I at one point considered very separate. Like I used to think my life as a pharmacist was very separate from my life as a financial literacy educator. They've now become so smashed together mm -hmm. that I can't help but see the similarities. I mean, it, th they are the same thing to me now. Right. So let's talk about your dad. Sure. How did his passing inform you? Because can I only assume that there was fuckery involved? Oh, I, I can only imagine, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I was seven years old when he died and it was very sudden. 
my mom was, she became a, a single parent and she had never gone to college. She wasn't even working at the time that, that he died. And it was just me and my little brother at home. And now it's so wild because I, I work in the ER and I see every day patients have a heart attack and, and come in and we do everything that we can. And sometimes they, they don't even make it to the ER. I mean, even now with some of the technology that we didn't have, like defibrillators, automated defibrillators out in the community were really not there when my dad had a heart attack in 2001. Now there's an AED on just about every public building corner. And even still, the, the survival rates are, are not where we would like them to be. So it's, it's wild. I see these patients come in and I'm standing there in the ER thinking to myself like, oh my God, like my mom, my mom did this. Like my mom was the woman who's now standing next to me watching us perform CPR on her husband. My, my mom was this woman and I, I see it and it's, it's so full circle. I, I can only imagine what she was feeling because for someone then to have to sit her down and say, this is going to be a $50,000 bill. I mean, it's, I, I'm consciously aware at all times. And of that 50,000, 2,000 is for aspirin. Right. And don't forget about the ambulance ride on the way over. That's yeah. another Oops. 10 grand. Because they took you to your hospital, not right. their hospital. Right. Little things people don't know. Yes. Is it fair to expect them to know it? That's my question. Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. Right. And I mean, even the, the corporatization of healthcare, if you will, it gets down to the point where one hospital will dispatch X number of ambulances to this radius and Y hospital will dispatch X number of ambulances to this radius. And God forbid you have a stroke or a heart attack in a distance where you're not getting that ambulance coverage. There's no telling where you'll wind up or how quickly you'll get there and right. what that will cost you. Right. Let you alone like no knowing choice. to ask. No, no, I'm, I'm dying, but please take me here. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. To, to be conscious even, to have that thought, yeah. to, to, to be required to have that thought is insane. It is insane. So I'm a student of history and I look back, because I, I was diagnosed in the 90s, as you know, and have we made progress? Yes. But is it is it a better problem to have to have more technology and more systemic issues? And yes, the internet was great, but is more complexity better than nothing at all? It's it's challenging. There are so many improvements technologically that we've made. We've been able to do some really, really incredible things. Even just like cause sometimes I just marvel at the different machines that we use in in the ER like the fact that we now have these these IV pumps that can do all these miraculous things and automatically calculate rates and I mean it's it's the stuff that people probably who were working in hospitals in the 40s and 50s would have thought was like sci-fi I mean they must think we're like Star Trek now but at the same time we're so far behind like with every technological advancement that we make at the same time you walk into a hospital and you have no idea what you're paying for any of it. I mean, it should be like a vending machine. You should be able to say, okay, I'm going to get an IV. This is going to cost me whatever. But you don't know until you leave if any of the doctors you saw are even ones that your insurance plan 
are contracted with. Right. Because if your doctor could be covered by the anesthesiologist or the nurse or right. this, you, you never know. You never know. And the doctor can't even tell you. Mm-hmm. That's what blows my mind is the doctor can't even tell you. You you can't even ask your physician, are you contracted with my health insurance? And they have no idea. Right. Because not only is it this huge barrier for the patient, healthcare providers often are are equally as uninformed. And that was eye-opening for me once I got into the field to to really see not only do patients have no idea, the providers have no idea either. They have no idea. I've always talked about it as a store no one wants to shop in. Yeah. Like, you know, you go into whatever, Macy's, Pennies, whatever. You're like, you're, you can look for things that are good for you. You know what the price is because the tag's on there. And you can decide whether or not you want to buy it. Right. This is walking into like a Walmart with empty shelves and no greeter. And all the things are in the back. You know where they are. There's no price tags. And someone else decides how much you have to pay. Yes. That's terrible. And you get no say, really. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Right. And it might be required to save your life. (laughs) We should end on, on, I want to end on a higher note. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Let's talk about a happy thing. All right. We're going to take a break and come back after these messages from TikTok. Maybe not. (laughs) That's going to be an interesting break. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Jess, why pharmacy? So when when my dad died as a kid, I kind of became obsessed with this idea of like, how do we, how, what could I have done to prevent that? What could he have done to prevent that? Um, because it was so sudden. It, it was, he went to work and then he didn't come back. And all of a sudden, our whole life was different. So I was really obsessed like what could he have taken you know as a child my idea of medicine was 
you get sick, you take that pink stuff in your fridge and you feel better. And that's just medicine. That's how it works. It's like bubble gum with all yeah. sorts of chemicals. Right. And now I know it's amoxicillin, still delicious, although I think the, the strawberry flavoring has got to be different than mm -hmm. what it once was. But yeah. regardless. It's corn syrup now. Right. <laughs> it's cheaper. Whatever yes. it is, it's cheaper. <laughs> I can say that much. Um, but so I, I thought that medicine was that. You, you, you have a problem. You, you give it medicine. You fix it. I've since learned that that is absolutely not what medicine is, but that's why I went down that that path. I, I was less interested in the how do we diagnose. I was more interested in the how do we fix because I just wanted to fix it. I wanted to, if there was one other person out there who could have been taking something that would have prevented them from having a heart attack, like a statin perhaps, um, a cholesterol medicine, you know, I, I was obsessed with that. Like if that could have been the thing that saved him, maybe, maybe I can do that for someone else. So it was in some ways noble, but also I wanted a stable income um, because- I'm sorry, what? A stable income. Don't start a charity. You did a good job there. <laughs> right, never start a nonprofit, right? If that's the goal, mm -hmm. that's what you've told me. But I- I saw what happened. My mom was not working. She was not college educated. My dad was our only source of income and we lost it. And my mom became a single parent of two kids with no income. You can go from having enough money to survive to not in a second. And that was very clear to me at a very young age that financial stability was going to be really important. And I wanted to have my own financial stability that did not depend on another person. So I So you went into debt. So I went into debt. <laughs> Woohoo. Yes. Sure did. Sure did. Good old med school. Yeah. Classic. Classic two hundred thousand dollar debt to to hopefully try and help humanity a little bit. Yeah. That'll teach you. That'll teach me. Oh, I was taught. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Which is uh, its own thing. I mean, I could talk for an hour about asking a child if they would like to sign up for $200,000 um, when you have no idea what right. that is or what that means. Yeah, it's, it's the wrong age to have yeah. those questions put upon you. Yeah. Where was your first job? My first job in pharmacy? Yeah. Probably. Like hospital retail? No, well, so I think it, I think it would have been retail. I think it was a Rite Aid. Mm. I think a Rite Aid would have been my first job, but just almost simultaneously, I did also start in a hospital in Philadelphia. So I was working two jobs in pharmacy school. My hospital gig was like a every other weekend nighttime thing. And then I would do retail like weeknights, basically. You busted your butt. I sure did. Yeah. Always have. Yeah. So what I love about, I mean, I love many things about you. You know money. Yeah. But you know money from a trial by fire, right? You self-taught. Absolutely. Out of need. Out of need. Yes. How did that start? Like you got like money 101. That's, there's no book for that, but that's the name of your, your <laughs> workshop. It is. It is. It's, it's interesting. This path has brought me into a lot of different types of people. And when I went to college, I met a lot of people who you know, my icebreaker would kind of be, how about them student loans, right? <laughs> and I would meet some of these people, fourth generation doctors in Boston who would be like, what 
what student loans, you know, I, right. I park my Lexus mm-hmm. in, in my private garage across the road and it, it, it was jarring. So it, it, it was trial by far. I, I think there's a, there's a difference in the approach when you've had loss, when you've had, when you've lost money, when you've lost people and when you have to learn how to climb yourself out it's different and I have my mom to thank for a lot of that because she had to do it in the same way that I did so what again I'm gonna keep saying what I love about you you also teach this is civics (laughs) this is well we I remember getting taught like you know how to balance a checkbook and how to measure a teaspoon and how to fix a tire in high school in the 80s we don't do that anymore right (laughs) do I'm gonna cast a wide net here do the eager young minds of tomorrow currently in universities, do they know what a checkbook is? Uh, I mean, there aren't really on a check. Some places still take checks. They do. I Every once in a while, I do write a check. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wonder. I'm, I'm not, like, worried. But yeah. But do you see that there's just this, we, we are bereft of financial literacy. Absolutely. Out of the gate. Absolutely. And, and by and large, most places have no requirement for financial literacy. Most places, I mean, actually now we're starting to see some legislation come out for different states looking to implement that as a uh, a core piece of the curriculum to institute some type of financial literacy. But really, by and large, most states, most colleges, most majors will not discuss anything like that. And it's so easy to be taken advantage of by a bank. It's unbelievable. It is really unbelievable because it truly is like unless you have the knowledge, unless you have someone who told you or someone who went through something similar or someone who who somehow learned and then was able to pass that on, they they will take you for a ride. Mm-hmm. They will take you for a ride. So in the spirit of let's not use labels, everyone's labeled you. Oh. I have you as a uh, FinTalk financial feminist. Oh. A finfluencing feminist. Okay. And a, I lost the other one. All right. I hate labels. I'm sure you hate that too. You're just Jess. I am just Jess, but, but I- one does like a good neologism. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely identify as a feminist though, 100%. I think that, I don't think that that, has a negative connotation. No. Being a feminist to me means standing up for all women, that all women should be equal, all women should be valued. And hopefully by living that, by demanding that, that it ultimately has some kind of an impact. This old white 48-year-old guy says it, (laughs) that it must happen. I mean, women weren't even allowed to have a credit card until 1974. Mm-hmm. That, that to Good me, you know? Good times. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Financial independence. It's huge. Yes, it is. It is. So can I safely assume you chose TikTok because Facebook is for geezers? <laughs> to be honest, I chose TikTok because it was a platform that I was enjoying using myself. Like I was watching videos on there. In the pandemic, like COVID hit, I was working in the hospital, watching people go through everything. You were a first responder. I, you I should add that. I 
sure was. I was in the hospitals. I was doing a lot of the vaccination efforts in, in our little corner of New England. And I needed something, something to feel <laughs> not so terrible. And there were people doing all kinds of goofy stuff on TikTok. And it was fun. It was like, to me, it was a little beacon of like light at that time. I mean, it, to me, it's shined a light on that it's not all horrible. The platform itself, TikTok can have its benefits here and there. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to ban it in several states because it's causing like massive mental health issues because of these stupid filters, right? Right. But yet there is are still some gems in there, like your channel, like my, my doctor friend's channel, where that's the wisdom people need that they didn't know where to find. Right, right. I It's interesting. <laughs> it's a mix for sure. Yes. I, I think that... There is a lot of good information out there, but social media is a challenge. Like as a scientist myself, it's it's hard. There's a lot of wrong information on the internet. There's a lot of questionable information on the internet. And I even struggle with the fact that in order for something to get a lot of views, sometimes there has to be shock value. Yeah. Like if I want to tell people, this is how you sign up for an EBT card. This is how you get food stamps. First, I might have to start it with something wild, something crazy, just so that I can ultimately deliver the message. This is how you get that food first stamps. hook, that dopamine click right there. Right. Yeah. And it that is tough for me. Like, it's hard to strike a balance of being clickbaity. Yeah. But how do I deliver the message that needs to get delivered if I don't incorporate some clickbait? And there, there are a lot of people out there who will say, Oh, thank you for not doing the clickbait. Thank you for not. You can't win. But I don't reach as many people that way. Right. It, it is a delicate balance. When did you ever fancy yourself a non-linear editor? <laughs> An editor. Be, well, I, I'm I, for the for the listeners. I, I, this is my Gen X version of saying this. You, you talk to yourself as two separate characters. Ah, uh, that is and true. I don't understand how that works, <laughs> but it's so genius. And it's, I, I have a bunch of YouTube channels that do that with like movie reviews. Yeah. But to see it in a way that is like actually educational and mm. civics based is you have to write the script. You have to like learn your lines. You have to switch the cameras around. You know, then then you have the little the little icons and the words that pop up. Like it, it's an effort. It definitely is an effort. I didn't realize the extent of an effort that it was. And I do think there have been improvements that I've been able to make along the way. But I, I see why some people hire an editor yes. for sure. It's mm -hmm. a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And you're the slave to the algorithm too, right? Um, absolutely. Uh, so what what hurdles and flips and tricks do you have to do to stay in the good graces of the algorithm? That's the thing. It changes all the time. And that's a mental battle too is – do I conform to the algorithm? Do I do what the algorithm needs me to do to reach more people? Or do I just kind of stay the course, put out my regular content and make sure that, that it's educational and that kind of thing? But if you don't get something that grabs the algorithm's attention, your message is just not heard. It's just lost. It is. There's also, is there a way to be notified when people post? Because I don't think so. Because on Twitter, I can know when someone's posting something. It alerts me right. that Joe Schmo just put something up. I know on TikTok, if you're following someone, you get like two different feeds. You get a recommended general feed, and then you also get a just the people you're oh, following okay. feed. 
but I'm not totally sure. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm coming at this. Most of my audience are like we're, we're mostly officers in our 40s and 50s. Yeah, and I'm sure we're the ones worried about our daughters using this. Right, absolutely. But when you can show it's actually being used for good by adults, right? That's a good thing. What kind of feedback do you get? I mean, you have lots of comments on all the things you put. Like anyone, like you changed my life. I'm not broke anymore. I I get a lot of that. I also get a lot of disappear forever please stop existing so i get a a helping handful those are the trolls that that i'm not right right so you're not the troll okay i'm not the troll but i I, redacted retracted (laughs) thank you we do i i i get a lot of of i have never ever been able to save a thousand dollars and i've done it and now i've saved ten and I get a lot of, I had absolutely no idea that it was even possible to negotiate a medical bill. And now I've done so. Mm-hmm. So that's what keeps me going is if one person hears it, if one person is able to cut their medical bill in half or make it zero if they qualify, if one person is able to open a high yield savings account and go on a vacation that they never would have been able to go on otherwise, if someone can can qualify for for government aid, for EBT, for internet bill assistance, for utility bill assistance, and it's worth it. So that goes back to the question we talked about the other day, which is, let's say I clone you and there's 100,000 of you. That's still not enough to help every American. Right. But just suppose every American knew that it was possible to negotiate their bill and they snapped into negotiations mode. Would that destroy the system in the best way possible? I hope so. I would like to think so. I would like to think that if enough people knew and simultaneously enough people chose to do something about it, that we could. I think that there's a lot of money in the way that things are run. And in order to have enough people to outweigh the money, like the pharmaceutical companies that pay bazillions of dollars to politicians to make sure that things stay exactly the way they are. Right. I think if we had enough people to overpower that money, that it it's possible. So a storm's coming. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So let's wrap up by talking about something, uh, a little levity, burnout. Burnout. <laughs> Very real. I channel my friend Gabe Charbonneau, who's on the show before. He started the movement called fightburnout.org. Okay. It's basically this massive, spreading, phenomenally metastatic, that's a weird word, um, grassroots effort. It's a good metastatic. Okay. Because it's, I made that up. (laughs) (laughs) Here on the show, you heard it first. Of doctors kind of like taking arms against, that's another word. (laughs) I can't speak. We're really struggling. It's a a woke country. (laughs) I'm not woke. I'm sorry. And it's fostering this this larger national narrative of we're we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're trying to be Hippocratic. We can't. We're all burned out. Can you comment on what it's been like for you? I mean, take TikTok and that whole job aside. Right. You are in the ER. Yes. You know, it's 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 scary, quite honestly. And I'm not a physician and I'm not a nurse. I am a pharmacist. And my position in the ER, I actually consider to be a lot better than what just about every retail pharmacy is going through right now. 
my position as a pharmacist, but that doesn't mean that the physicians in the ER, I mean, the patient ratios are are unsafe. The, the number of patients that a nurse has to see at any institution right now is unsafe. And it's putting people's lives in jeopardy, very, very real lives in jeopardy every single day. And that is going to have consequences in, in the same way that now if you try and pick up a prescription at, at a major retail pharmacy, good luck. It's going to take you days. I mean, the pharmacists are so burnt out that I have a, a friend who was just trying to pick up some insulin the other day and he had left it at home. He was traveling and he needed an emergency supply of insulin. And he shows up to the retail pharmacy and says, you know, I'm, I'm out. How, how can I get some more? And the pharmacist, this is not okay. I'm laughing as a coping mechanism. The pharmacist just looked at him and was like, you have to pay cash. And he was like, well, how much is that going to be? And she was like, $600. And he called me and we talked about it and we're like, okay, ask for a vacation override, ask for a lost medication override. You know, there's things that can be done with the insurance company. Hopefully you cross your fingers that they'll pay for that. You can break the box and pay for one insulin pen instead of five insulin pens that come in a box. But she was so... Right. Apathetic. Yes. She had lost her ability to have compassion. Yeah. She was so burnt out that the compassion was gone. And that's where we're at. That's where a lot of the profession, pharmacy, physicians, nurses, I don't want to speak on anybody else's behalf, but I have so many friends and loved ones in the field that I'm sure would echo. That's what happens in burnout. You lose your purpose. You lose your ability to do what you set out to do. And that's that's care for patients. All the while blaming the patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it's it's scary, you know. Sometimes when I'll post some videos about, for example, how to find financial assistance, I will have the occasional healthcare provider in my comment section saying, this is not our job. Please do not encourage patients to ask us how to get financial assistance. We are not there to provide financial assistance. We are there to provide patient care. And it's like, wow, we are lost. Yeah, right where now. are we now as where a country? Where are we? It's yeah. not okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Happy note. Happy note. Give me a happy story. A happy a story. A patient you saved, a long long story. Somebody came back 5 years later. What do you got? I've I've done a lot of work with people who are on these really often very effective newer kind of injectable medications. A lot of them work really super well and have a lot of benefits, but they can be really super expensive. So a lot of what I try to do is before anybody leaves the ER, I make sure when they come in, is any of this because you haven't taken any of your medications? And why is it because you can't afford them? And so I've been on this push to help people get set up on like manufacturer assistance programs so that they can afford the medications that they need in order to be healthy so that they don't have to come back to the ER. And I had one patient who 
got really, really, really sick with COVID and the bills that came with it left them actually homeless for a period of time. And through a whole group of people, way bigger than just me, social work and all, just so many, so many groups were able to get this patient in a position now where they were able to find housing. They were able to have their bills waived because of their financial restrictions, set them up on manufacturer programs where they can now afford their medications and hopefully never come back to the ER ever again. So every once in a while we get it right, but it takes an enormous amount of teamwork. And I do believe because of that, that if we all collectively smash our heads together, that we can have really good outcomes. It just takes a fight. You got to be willing to fight. That's a good ending. So let's go tell 100 million Americans that their pill is cheaper over there. Right. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine if everyone knew that it was cheaper over there as uh, a metaphor? <laughs> that would look like the zombie apocalypse. It would be a good imagine. one, though. Be a good zombie apocalypse. It would be probably the best zombie apocalypse yeah. scenario that I can imagine. Yeah. All right. I'm going to call you Dr. Jessica Spangler. Oh, my. How many people call you Dr. Spangler? Um, Not many, but I am the only college graduate to my name, to my Spangler name. And I am also the only doctorate holder to to my name um, in my family. So... Well, you've earned it. It is an honor. Dr. Jessica Spangler, Ecom Jess on all the socials. Fintech, finfluencing feminist. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an off-script health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com. <laughs>